I needed to see successful guys in meetings. I needed to know that, like, you know, yep. you know, going into 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 AA was not mean, did not mean that I was going to give up my career and you know I'm um, mm-hmm. never going to have fun anymore. Um, and so, guys who come to the lighthouse and look around as they get to know each other and realize that you know there's a lot of pretty successful men and women coming through treatment here that have had this you know, an alcohol use disorder, by the way, they've also been running fortune 500 companies in the meantime. So, (laughs) right. You know, um, it's, it's healthy for them to see that, uh, you know, recovery doesn't necessarily mean that, um, you know, I'm, I'm lowering my goals or my expectations or, you know, or, or changing sort of where I want to get to, um, but me both vis-a-vis my family, my, my, uh, my, my profession and my passions. Right. Good morning. My name is Graham Durge, and I'm the founder and CEO of New Waters Recovery in Raleigh, North Carolina. Welcome to our weekly podcast, Finding New Waters. Our goal in creating Finding New Waters is to provide a resource for families to help navigate the complexities of supporting a loved one struggling with substance use or mental health. When we find ourselves in crisis due to one of these issues, most people have no idea where to turn. We hope to shed some light onto what is often the darkest family, darkest hour for many families. Uh, I'm joined today by our, our executive director, Justin McClendon, and Trey Laird, who's the founder of Lighthouse Recovery in New Canaan, Connecticut. Trey Laird is CEO and founder of the Lighthouse Sober Living and Lighthouse Recovery Coaching 365 program. Before founding Lighthouse, Mr. Laird was a Wall Street equities trader for 22 years, starting his career with Bankers Trust and exiting with Lazard. Mr. Laird attended the Trinity School in Manhattan and Dartmouth College. Mr. Laird has five children and lives in New Canaan, Connecticut with his wife. He's an avid golfer, marathoner, regularly travels to share his expertise on recovery and treatment best practices, and makes regular media appearances to speak on addiction issues. Mr. Laird feels that his choice to recover out loud has had an extraordinary impact on his life and recovery. Trey, thank you for joining us today. Uh, always a pleasure to, to get to connect with you and uh, hear a little bit about what you're doing. Thank you for being here. Graham, thanks for having me, man. Um, good, to, good to catch up. Yeah, absolutely. So I always like to kind of start off um, with a little bit, obviously, introductory uh, information about you. Now, can you tell us just a little bit about, you know, your story, how you got into this field? I I just find it always really uh, interesting to see how people got into this work because it's not very common, right? Yeah, it it was definitely not on my uh, radar roadmap um, when I was growing up. Uh, You know, I I, um, was in the middle of a what ended up being a 22 year, um, career on wall street. Um, 15 years in, I developed a substance use disorder. Um, and, and I ended up going to treatment in 2008. And while I was in treatment, um, uh, my wife invited me not to move home afterwards. There had been a lot of damage done <laughs> in marriage and, um, she needed more time and we had two kids at home. And, um, so I went to my counselor at Silver Hill where I was in treatment and I said, you know, I need to figure out where I'm going to live next. And she suggested that I go to a sober house. I'd never heard of a sober house. I didn't know what she was talking about, but she described it as a, um, 
you know, kind of a next step after treatment where guys lived together, but they went back to work and um, lived their lives, but they had the community and accountability of, of the other guys in the house. And I said, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Give me the phone number. I'll go. And she uh, said, well, Trey, you should probably go to Florida or California. And I, I was in New Canaan, Connecticut. And I said, why would I go to Florida or California? And she said, well, frankly, because there's nothing around here for you. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. it didn't make sense to me to go to Florida or California. So I didn't. Uh, I rented a house right in New Canaan. Um, I uh, went back to work. Um, you know, I went to a lot of 12-step meetings and um, navigated early recovery with the help of those guys that I met there. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, six, seven years later, uh, there still was no significant, no, no good options for, you know, continuing care and uh, sober living in the Northeast. And so uh, that's when we got together and decided to, to open the lighthouse in, in Darien originally and now in New Canaan. So I, I, even mm-hmm. then, I thought it would be like a side project for me. I was not going to give up my Wall Street career, but um, it quickly became obvious that uh, there was a lot to do and this was not a, a side project. And so um, and so I left and that was uh, we're coming up on eight years uh, in January um, that we've been. That's great. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> you never know where you're going. And uh, and here we are. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. And, and obviously it, it's uh, it's such an important piece to the process, to the continuum of care. You know, that kind of step down component transitioning back into life after treatment or, or whatever you've kind of done prior to that. And, and in my mind, I, I feel like it's probably the most pivotal decision that you make in that process. Right. <laughs> um, you know, because that's where the rubber hits, hits the road. That's where things get tough. That's where life starts happening. And, and do you have those tools? Are you going to implement those tools? So, um, you know, it's definitely such a needed resource, certainly up in your area. So happy that you did that, but specifically too, like you guys cater to kind of a, a, a niche demographic and, and kind of a, an executive demographic. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, Graham. So, I mean, the lighthouse, I, 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 you know, I, I started it because it was the program that didn't exist when I needed it. I was 38 years old again, you know, uh, midway through a, you know, a a wall street career and, um, with a wife and kids and everything that comes with that. Um, so our clientele, the average age is going to be, you know, mid forties up to 50. Um, you know, the average client is, um, is, is working employed usually in a very high senior level position, um, you know, most of our clients are, are married and trying to stay married. They're, uh, they have kids, they have families, um, they have a lot going on, they have a lot to lose. Um, and, and they're, they're, you know, they're invested in, in what they're doing in their lives. And frankly, a lot of the parts of their lives are working and, and substances have worked in their life and, and specifically in their professional career for a long time. So mm. what they get it with us, to your point, is like, you know, after treatment, um, going back into your life with these new tools that you've obtained in treatment and utilizing them is, uh, is difficult. You gotta, you know, you have to practice and you gotta, um, you gotta get reps and you have to, um, you know, learn what it's like to go to that board meeting and sit there and not be drinking. Um, yeah. Right. And so that's what our clients get to do on a regular basis. I mean, we'll have a client come to us and, um, you know, I say, I, you know, Trey, I have to go to work in the city on Monday and we say, great, we're, how can we support you doing that? Whereas a mm-hmm. lot of the, a lot of other, you know, extended care programs, sober livings that I'm familiar with, they, they say, Hey, you know, for the first month, you're not going to really do anything. And then we'll talk about it in the second month. And, 
um, you know, that's not us. We want to support clients. We want to be able to support clients wherever they're at. And a lot of times our clients are, um, you know, going back into life pretty, pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that's by design. So, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I think, you know, we, you know, we had a client here a couple months ago that was, you know, definitely in that, that fit that uh, category. And it's just, you know, with gentlemen like that, it's just, they can't take two, three, four months off, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's just not the real, that's not a re- realistic thing. So yeah, having that, that kind of piece that you have there to kind of meet them where they're at, I think is, is such an important part of the puzzle. Um, Trey, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, it sounds like like you're saying, you're, you're supporting them, trying to help them learn how to navigate, you know, career and life and things like that in the early stages of recovery. Can you tell us a little bit more about kind of what the programming, what the structure of Lighthouse kind of looks like? Our program is called Recovery 365. And so everybody that's living in the homes is in that program. But important to note that we also offer that program to clients that aren't living in the home as well. And it's a coaching program. So every client has their own recovery coach. We have a team of about 10 coaches. We pair each client up with the best coach when they arrive. They meet with that coach twice a week. Uh, they, they decide, the client decides sort of where and when those meetings are going to happen again because they have busy lives. So they might want to meet early in the morning before work. They might, might want to, you know... Um, go at, uh, for a walk or a hike uh, on a weekend. They might want to hit golf balls. Uh, you know, it's sort of, we want to make it less therapy and more uh, interactive with the client and, and fit into their life. So mm-hmm. two meetings a week, and then the coach proactively checks in with the client every day. I think that's an important piece, and our clients agree, because, you know, a lot of them go to 12-step, a lot of them have sponsors, but the sponsors say, well, you can call me. But a lot of new people mm-hmm. in new uh, in early recovery, you know, going to meetings don't feel like calling their sponsor, and so they get you know they don't get into that rhythm, and the sponsor won't reach out to them. So we have our coaches reach out uh, to the clients every day, um, and then in addition to that, so we got groups every day uh, at our men's and our women's house. So uh, those groups are usually late afternoon, early evening, even at dinner, um, to accommodate again the people that are working all day. Um, and then we do um, alcohol monitoring and drug testing in the homes. We, we, we do have an abstinence um, policy. Having said that, if you're in our Recovery 365 program and not living in the lighthouse, um, you're not required to be abstinent. And we do have clients here and there that say that they would like to, um, you know, moderate. They would like to uh, curtail. They would like to, they're not interested in, in 100% abstinence at the time. And our coaches mm-hmm. meet them where they're at too. Um are are you seeing a lot of people? Because obviously, you know, this like sober curious uh, mm-hmm. movement has really taken shape, right? So, are you seeing folks uh, in that category that are utilizing Recovery Three Hundred and Sixty? Yes, um, I would say it's definitely not the majority. It's more kind of like yeah. you know, ten, ten, fifteen percent. Um, yeah. And so far, what we've seen is that after a period of exploration. Um, the client has generally come around to the idea that their life is better uh, without any alcohol and that, Mm. you know, having that glass of wine on Saturday night with their wife as their only drink of the week, um, you know, isn't, isn't not that it's not attainable, but what, why would I want to have a glass of wine with my wife? And, and do I really just want to have seven glasses of wine? (laughs) So um, yeah, we've had some clients, 
that that start down that road. But um, we've also had clients that start down that road and then say, hey, you know what? Um, why do I need one? Um, so I think more more what we've seen is that, you know, say somebody comes in with an opiate use disorder and they say, well, you know, I'm st- I still want to reserve the right to, you know, um, smoke TH- THC or, or, or drink. And, um, and we've seen that happen a couple of times where, um, you know, again, they say they they say it's successful. We need, we need a larger, uh, length of study to understand if it really is successful, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and you guys are also doing interventions and, you know, doing some work on the front end as well. You've got some folks on your team. Are you seeing, and one of the kind of, you know, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, right? It, because I think with interventions in particular, you know, people have this kind of uh, preconceived notion that you've got to hit bottom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what's your opinion on that, you know, for families who are, you know, potentially wanting to intervene, we're now coming up on the holidays, which is always a a tough time of year, families getting together, you see your loved one for the first time, maybe they're not doing as well as you thought they were, or there's some sort of an incident. So yeah, how, what do we say to those families who are, you know, thinking in that direction, but just not quite sure if if the timing's right? Yeah, so um, I would say we do inter- interventions. We, we like to call mm-hmm. them structured family conversations as opposed to interventions. Mm-hmm. Um, we, it's not a, it's not a main part of our business, but we also mm. um, we also want to support the family when they call. I would say that um, you know for us, we started a whole new um, line of business just in the last six months of family recovery coaching. And what that looks like is um, family member calls and says, you know, my husband needs help, or my son needs help, or my or my wife needs help. And um, if that person, uh, you know, the identified patient is not uh, interested in getting help, well, we can work with the family and coach them, which may ultimately turn into um, in, an intervention or a family conversation, you know, a, a structured conversation with that with that loved one. But um, it might not either. And so we've mm-hmm. had clients that have successfully, uh, you, you know, come into our family coaching program and uh, gotten some relief for themselves, um, and mm-hmm. even if their loved one uh, is still drinking. Um, we've also had situations where that, um, you know, going down that path with the family has led to the family themselves speaking with their loved one and, uh, and, and affecting change. And so I think we all agree that, um, you don't have to hit a bottom. Uh, I think that the reason that families and people in general are so hesitant to, uh, reach out for help is because their view of what is out there, what's provided for help is not appealing, right? I don't want to go mm-hmm. away for 30 days. I don't want to give up my phone. I don't want to leave my house. I de- and so, um, you know, the question then becomes, well, how do we uh, give them what they want, literally meet them where they're at? Um, and so we also have times when, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do a conversation with a, with a family and instead of like having the car outside bags packed on the way to rehab, they may be going for, you know, a, um, a psychiatric evaluation. And then we're going to make a decision after that or go to a place yeah. like 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 yours where, you know, you can get five to seven days uh, of just some, you know, rest and care. And um, it's it's a good time frame to be able to figure out next steps. And next step yeah. may not be a, a 30 or 60 day treatment center. It might be back at home with a strong clinical team in your house. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 
it's all about giving them giving people uh, options and ideas as opposed to um, cookie cuttering it and saying this is yeah. what you have to do. Period. End of story. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's been that's been kind of um, this cycle for so long, right? This cookie cutter treatment, you know, fits fits everybody, right? And uh, and that's just not the case. Every client that comes in has different complexities, has you know different acuity, and and is you know we need to kind of meet them differently, you know, yeah, with every client, right? So. Um, yeah, I think that we're starting to see that that traditional kind of re treatment model is just not really working, uh, mm -hmm. anymore. So, um, it, and I would say, I think that's true. Right. And yeah. I think that there's certain people that still do need that, right. You really yeah. do need that, you know, 30, 45, 60 day kind of primary treatment, uh, to kind of jumpstart things and, and, uh, but it's true, and I think it's refreshing that we are seeing a big change in the in the field that that's not always the case with everybody, and that we really do need to take the time to understand what that person's uh, specific needs are and what the family system needs, and to really try and get creative and come up with something that's going to be most helpful for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um... – now, tell me a little bit about like the some of the recovery stuff that you guys now you guys are all 12 step based, correct? You're you're, you know, obviously a huge advocate of 12 step recovery um, and and, you know, go to meetings in your own life. I know. So how does some of that programming look with your guys and kind of getting them integrated with that? Yeah, no, let me. So let me slight correction. Um, yeah. I, I'm not sure I would say that we're 12 step based. I would say that oh, okay. I'm, I'm a 12 step guy. And, right. mm -hmm. um, you know, I got, I got sober in treatment and then AA, uh, and still, you know, um, go to meetings, have a sponsor, have sponsees actively involved in, in 12 step. Having said that, um, we don't have any requirements for our, uh, clients to go to meetings. Um, mm -hmm. we believe in attraction, not promotion. I would say mm -hmm. that our, um, our staff, uh, is primarily drawn from the 12 step community. And so, you know, uh, if you're living at one of our houses or working with one of our coaches, you're likely going to hear about their 12 step experience. Um, but again, we're not forcing anybody to go to meetings. And uh, what, I, what I tell people that call and ask questions about the lighthouses and they say, do I have to go to meetings? I say, no, you don't have to go to meetings. Having said that, if you don't go to meetings, you'll be in, in a minority and you'll likely have somebody, one of the other clients ask you why you aren't going to meetings um, because, and again, not, not to be, um, you know, mean about it, but just to understand like why somebody wouldn't. So it, we're very blessed and fortunate here in Fairfield County, New Canaan, Westport Greenwich has a really strong 12 step community. Um, you know, there's over a hundred meetings a week, breakfast, you know, morning, lunch, evening. And so there's literally thousands of people um, doing the deal here in Fairfield County which is unlike some other, you know, geographies in the country, as I understand it. Yeah. You know, if you live in Rochester, New York, and we've had a client from there, he'll say, Trey, I have one meet, one group that meets three times a week near me. And so, you know, if I, and there's six guys that go. And so that's not a robust recovery community. And so he doesn't mm -hmm. use a uh, 12 step recovery at, at his home. He, he comes back and visits with us regularly and, and loves it here. But, um, um, we are, we are open to any pathway. We've seen guys and women get, uh, you know, you know, their recovery path would include, um, you know, a robust new exercise regime plus uh, a church community um, plus, you know, an outdoor adventure um, pathway, um, you know, 
we, we encourage them to check out meetings, but uh, we're not, we're certainly not going to mandate them there. And, and um, again, AA is not created equal everywhere. Uh, I feel like there's geographies where it's strong and geographies where it's weak. And so yeah. um, we're blessed to have a, a really strong community around us, but it doesn't exist everywhere. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think that that's, uh, that's obviously like with that clientele, that's where you've got to be, right? You've got to kind of meet them where they're at, but, but it's, it goes back to kind of the, the foundations of AA and, and 12 step programming is, as you said, attraction rather than promotion. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's just such a, I think that's such a pivotal part to the success of AA. Um, so implementing that into your program and really kind of, you know, uh, using those strategies, uh, is, is going to be a really, really smart thing for you. Obviously has worked really well for you. Um, yeah, I would say, Graham, you know, like if there's one thing about, you know, our core beliefs at the lighthouse is that we believe that a connection to a, a recovery community, um, is the, is the essential part and one of the essential, if not the essential part of someone's recovery. And so we mm-hmm. believe in the idea that, you know, a client can connect with other, um, you know, other lighthouse clients, other lighthouse alum, other lighthouse staff, and start to see what recovery can look like for that for them because they're looking at what it's what, what how it's you know how it's worked for people that have gone before them. They're all smart enough to make their own decisions about do I want what Graham has? Do I want what Justin has? Do I want yeah. what Trey has? And uh, or maybe a little piece of what Graham does or a little piece of what Justin does, and mm-hmm. so. You know, we believe in throwing a lot of different um, examples of recovery in front of our clients while they're in residence or with us, and they can choose for themselves what works for them. And it's worked really well, right? Like we have guys that yeah. go on ski trips. We have guys that go to, you know, and women that, and, that go to church together. They have they form yoga groups. They do, you know, alumni Zoom calls. And, and um, you know, they like to be with each other. Uh, I mean, yeah. for me... For me, like what what I loved to do was, um, you know, things like uh, playing golf and and skiing and surfing, and um, and and so how was I going to do those things without um, a drink or a drug in my hand? And uh, yeah. well, the answer for me was that I found other guys that like to do those things without drinking. And so, you know, right. my my first time back at Yankee Stadium, you know, which had become, you know, I was always a huge Yankee fan. I went to a lot of games as a kid and then growing up. And and then at some point, you know, Yankee Stadium just became a big bar for me and I couldn't get out of there, you know, without being blocked out. And so I was concerned about how I was going to go back to Yankee Stadium or even if I could go back to Yankee Stadium um, mm-hmm. and not drink. And the first few times I went, I went with three other guys, you know, who I met in recovery who didn't drink. And that gave me sober reference that showed me how to do that kind of thing. And, um, and that's what we do with our clients, right? Like, you know, you want to go, you want to go play golf at your club. Great. I understand that might be nervous for you because you always drink with those guys. How about you play with some of the other guys that don't drink and, um, Mm. and and build up your sober reference uh, over time of doing those things you love to do. Because by the way, if you don't, uh, find things that you love to do uh, without a drink in your hand, you're not likely to continue to have, not have a drink in your hand. You're going to keep your ass yeah. drinking again. So. Yeah. I mean, that's always been like the most pertinent thing to me was finding fun stuff to do. Yeah. Right. And, and I was super fortunate and I've said this before on the podcast that I, I kind of made that connection and treatment that I can sit here and say my life is over or I can just start doing awesome stuff, you know, and start, 
doing things that I've always wanted to do, but just haven't because I've been drinking myself to death in a basement in Boston. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that rings so true to me. I think that's such an important piece to this, this puzzle is just making that connection for these folks, um, showing them how incredible life can be sober and, and the community aspect. Right. I mean, we all need and crave that community. And when we're in our disease, you know, we're isolated. Right. And, and, you know, I know at the end for me, the last six months were, you know, as I said, just solo in a basement with no heat. <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't glorious at all. And, and now coming into recovery and having this community and this fellowship and, um, you know, the support and camaraderie. And I mean, it was, it was definitely alien for a while. Um, but it was, it was exactly what I needed. Right. Those guys kind of holding me up when I, on those days that I was down and keeping me accountable. And so, yeah, I think I that's, think, and I can, go ahead, go just, ahead, Trey. No, no, no. Yeah, so to elaborate on, on that point is yeah. I needed to see early on, I needed to see successful guys in meetings. I needed to know that like, you know, yep. you know, going into 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 AA was not mean, did not mean that I was going to give up my career and you know I'm um, mm -hmm. never going to have fun anymore. Um, and so, guys who come to the lighthouse and look around as they get to know each other and realize that you know there's a lot of pretty successful men and women coming through treatment here that have had this, you know, an alcohol use disorder. And um, and and by the way, they've also been running Fortune 500 companies in the meantime. So, <laughs> right, you, you know, um, it's it's healthy for them to see that, uh, you know, recovery doesn't necessarily mean that, um, you know, I'm, I'm lowering my goals or my expectations or, you know, or, or changing sort of where I want to get to, um, but me, you know, both vis-a-vis -vis my family, my, my, uh, my, my profession and, and my passions. Right. So, yeah. 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 And I completely, what's coming up for me as we're talking about this is, uh, you know, not to say anything negative about primary residential treatment, which we talked about a little while ago, but I, I agree. I think, you know, there's a place for residential treatment. It's a good place for people to learn. It's almost like, I think about it as like emotional graduate school, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can go there, get a ton of information, further stabilization, things like that. But, you know, in my opinion, exactly what we're talking about, I think the most important part of the early phases of recovery is exactly this, right? The community learning how to live in sobriety, learning how to find your way and have fun. And, you know, uh, just like we're saying, I mean, the, the idea or learning the lesson that like, this doesn't have to be horrible. This doesn't have to be deprivation, right? I can find a way to be successful and like live a happy and healthy life um, mm -hmm. is the biggest part in my opinion. Yeah. And these are all high functioning people, right? So, and they're, and look at what they're accomplishing while they're using <laughs> Imagine right. what you can accomplish if you're sober. Yeah. I mean, gosh, yeah. you could light the world on fire. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing seeing that light turn on. Right. And, and, you know, see those people make that connection and start to have some success and, and then, you know, just light the world on fire. I mean, there's mm -hmm. nothing better than that. And that's why we do this work. Right. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, the other thing I, I would, I just wanted to mention is this idea too of practicing your recovery. And so people always ask me, well, Trey, what happens if a client, um, you know, has a drink, uh, you know, while they're living with you? And I say, um, uh, well, if someone has, it's, it's really good information and really good data for all of us to have. Right. So if mm. you went to work and then, you know, you got invited to uh, a happy hour cause you haven't told your coworkers yet that you're not drinking and you went to that happy hour to appease, you know, your boss or a colleague and you got there and, 
the next thing you know, someone ordered you a drink and you drank it, um, then, you know, that's good information for us all to have. It's not the end of the world. You don't need to go back to another 90 days of treatment. Um, you know, we can work with that. Um, I understand, you know, the, the family's likely concerned and other stakeholders may be very worried about it, but it happens, right? Like normal recovery, uh, you know, typical recovery is not, maybe not linear, right? There might be, uh, you know, right. uh, periods of, of, uh, of um, reuse again. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the importance of family work and the importance of a coach who, and, and the importance of not being punitive. Like we would never punish a client for, for taking a drink or having a recurrence. Like that's, that happens, you know, mm. what, what's not okay is to put our head in the sand and pretend it didn't happen. And what all, mm-hmm. what also is not okay is to punish somebody for that recurrence. And so, um, you know, I think we're sort of moving in this direction, um, where, where people um, who are working in the field understand that, like, you know, you got to walk with your client and you got to the ups and the downs. And uh, I think that that's what we do really well. And by the way, it's also why I get a lot of people that don't want to go to treatment or don't want to start yeah. the journey because they they think that, like, you know, um, that if they have one drink or one recurrence, like, you know, the world's going to end or they're going to mm. um, uh, you know, be punished for that. Right. And um, right. No, so we have no, our coaches and our team are really good at being like, listen, this happens. Now, what are we going to do? Right. What are we going to learn right. from this? What are our, what are our takeaways and how are we going to monitor or sort of, you know, uh, adjust what, what you're doing um, or not mm-hmm. doing to, uh, to get the better, to get a better goal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in many ways it can be an asset to you, right. Moving yeah. forward. I mean, I had a relapse, uh, about five years in, you know, uh, when I originally, from when I originally got sober and, um, you know, my sponsor at that point said, listen, this is part of your story now. And you can now help another man who's struggling with the same thing. Right. And you have that experience now to kind of go through this and, and it doesn't have to be punitive. Like you said, it's, it's like, all right, let's dust ourselves off and keep moving forward. And we know what to do. And we had a little slip there and let's, let's keep on moving forward. Right. So, um, I love that, that kind of notion. And, um, you know, I think that's a great way to, to end it today too. So much good information, Trey, and really appreciate you coming on here. Um, now where can everybody find you? What's, can you, can you give us your website and, and, uh, maybe social media? Yeah, the lighthouse, the lighthouse ct.com is our website. Um, we're right. on we're on Instagram and LinkedIn uh, at the lighthouse. We're in New Canaan, Connecticut. Um, so uh, fortunately, we don't have a ton of competitors up this way. So if you just Google the lighthouse Connecticut, you probably find us quickly. Yep. Um, and there's phone numbers on there. Anybody who wants to give me a shout, uh, happy to talk further. Um, and uh yeah thanks for having me on guys it's been great i, I need to get down to raleigh and uh and see your guys place and uh keep yeah, doing the good work. anytime man yeah love to, have, cool. love to have you down and and uh we're gonna do something this spring so we'll uh we'll let you know and we'll get you down here awesome awesome all right guys well thanks fantastic having you on and uh we will see you guys next week 